0: Hello, and welcome to Soul Rise. I'm Lee Regan Smith, and I'm a teacher, documentary filmmaker, and writer living in Wyoming. Soul Rise is about ordinary people overcoming emotions, difficulty, adversity, or trauma to live extraordinary lives, and ultimately to inspire and teach the rest of us to do the same. For this episode, I wanted to tackle something that's impacting all of us collectively. Globally, we're all dealing with the stress of climate change, as well as social and economic challenges changing our local communities. So today I'm talking with sustainability expert Tim O'Donohue to discuss solutions and what we can all do on a local level. Tim lives in my hometown of Jackson, Wyoming. And in our community, the dramatic increase of new residents and tourists has so severely impacted our infrastructure and national parks that it's no longer even sustainable. Tim was director of Jackson Hole Chamber of Commerce for six years, and during this time, he saw a great need for Jackson's tourism-based economy to evolve. He then went on to direct the River Wind Foundation, and has worked with over 400 businesses and organizations with the goal of creating a more sustainable based tourism economy. Tim, thank you for being here. It's nice to meet you. I guess let me first ask you we all hear the word sustainability. What does it even mean?
1: There's two definitions that we work with. One that was started back in 1987, it's called the UN Bruntland Report, United Nations Bruntland Report. And in that report, sustainability is defined as meeting the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. So that's at sort of the international level. Then locally in our comprehensive plan, the Jackson-Teton County Comprehensive Plan, we have a definition of sustainability as well. And it's a bit more specific in that it says it's a system of practices that are healthy for the environment, community and economy and can be maintained for current and future generations.
0: There feels like there's this need to be more creative in terms of living sustainable. Do you think creativity and sustainability go hand in hand?
1: We can't expect change to occur by thinking and doing the same things. And so, creativity to me is really about unleashing the imagination. We need to think about being creative as social beings and that we need to think of ourselves as being interdependent rather than independent. Our nation has a long history and, if you will, self-pride in being independent. That's not serving us well when it comes to things like climate change. We really need to see that whatever actions we take that has a rippling effect throughout the rest of the world. So we need to unleash our imagination about what that interdependence and connection is. And I think COVID has been a teacher for us to understand that we're all connected. We need to really think about getting outside of our political and ego-based boundaries. In other words, we need to stop being egocentric and we need to be eco-centric.
0: One thing that's on my mind, and I think a lot of people's mind that I first want to address is... The increasing numbers of people coming to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and just in Mm -hmm. towns and cities across the country, just our increasing population growth with COVID Mm -hmm. people relocating, wanting to get out into nature, which is a wonderful thing, but it's brought so many people here. Is it sustainable to have the amount of people and growth that we have here? It kind Mm -hmm. of scares me a little bit. Like, what is it going to be like next year?
1: Well, it's not sustainable here, and I think as a lot of people know, it's not sustainable in many places around the world that perhaps have far more services and infrastructure and carrying capacities than we do. There's some speculation about turning to normal. I hope we don't return to normal. It's the norm that has driven this over-tourism situation in Jackson Hole in other places around the world. So we do have a huge challenge here with increasing resident population, increasing disparity between income and the cost of living, and increasing visitation here. And a logical step for our community is in the very initial stages of being taken, and that is to develop a destination management plan and then create an organization to oversee that plan's implementation. That's getting sort of at the essence of what can we do.
0: May I ask you, is the River Wind Foundation overseeing this plan?
1: No, we are not. We've been the leading advocate for the creation of a destination management plan starting back in early 2017, although we've had it The need for such a plan for a much longer time. But in earnest, my organization, I have been advocating to start managing tourism and our visitors here rather than just marketing and trying to bring as many people as possible here, regardless of impacts. And we have an opportunity to implement strategies and actions to manage our visitors and our tourism industry, to lessen their impacts on our wildlife, on our wildlands, on our community and culture. A destination management plan ideally is the result of very comprehensive, intense, consistent community involvement and feedback.
0: How does the community learn more about the destination management plan and how can they get involved and have a voice?
1: My organization is one of the organizations, obviously one that's very involved and has been in reaching out to our community to educate our community about sustainability through various projects and tools that we use. Entities like the Chamber of Commerce, the Jacksonville Travel and Tourism Board, and other stakeholders will be reaching out to the community in the next month or two.
0: What's the Riverwind Foundation's website?
1: Riverwindfoundation.org.
0: Is this kind of a crazy thought? Can we actually limit the numbers of people coming here?
1: Well, no thought is crazy uh, if you want to be creative, right? (laughs) Right, exactly, right. We need to address... Maximum number of visitors. In other words, we need to address limitations of number of visitors and carrying capacity. Yellowstone National Park has begun to use shuttle systems that are now voluntary. They're not required to go to specific sites from other sites. There's a number of national parks in the United States, as well as parks elsewhere around the world, that use a combination of reservation and shuttle systems. I'm speaking of Yosemite Valley, Zion National Park, Denali, Muir Woods in California, and the list goes on. We do need to have the courage to say, okay, we do need to talk about this and come to some agreement as to when such policies and strategies and actions for limiting number of visitors should come into play.
0: Getting back to making creative and courageous choices, what are some conscious changes either personally living our lives or work oriented. And I know that's a really broad spectrum because it depends what you do for work, but just little concrete things.
1: We need to have the courage to stand up to those who think we just need to continue to bring as many people here as possible. Our community needs to really think more in terms of management than marketing. In fact, we need to think of marketing as something that supports management. So specifically, one of the types of actions that Destination Management should always include is visitor outreach and education. We need to reach visitors before they get here through travel agents, through tour operators. There's opportunities for telling people when they arrive here about what they can be doing to green their stay. We have national park concessionaires like Grant Teton Lodge Company that have a green stay program where people are willing to follow certain behaviors when it comes to energy and turning off lights and so forth, that by saving energy, they can reduce their cost. An opportunity that hasn't quite been realized yet is to create shuttle systems and transportation, whether it's through start bus or other means, perhaps entrepreneurial means. Or using bike rental opportunities or e-bike opportunities, they're becoming a local. That's one of the big pushes is be a local. So that's something we can do at a community level, at a destination level, and specifically as individuals. It can be something as minor as what we do with the garbage we generate. We can refuse to use straws when we're at a restaurant. We could just say, you know what? We don't need a straw. And so that straw will not go into the landfill, which is where it goes right now. By taking these minor actions, it's programming ourselves to think about what other things we could be doing in addition to that. Could we be thinking more in terms of purchasing bulk or purchasing things that generate less waste so that there's less that goes into our landfill? And, of course, all those trucks generate, guess what, carbon emissions. Can we get involved as an individual or as a stakeholder to develop a climate action plan? which we hope to have in place, at least in terms of a first draft in the next six to 12 months as well.
0: Well, I liked what you said, just a little minor change, like stop using straws, spirals to, oh, now I don't think I want to buy this yogurt container.
1: We talked about the three R's, reduce, recycle, reuse, where well, there's a fourth R and that's called refuse. Refuse to purchase things that have those kinds of containers, those kinds of plastics.
0: And- What a lot of people don't realize is that oil is needed to make plastic. So you can reduce your CO2 footprint just by refusing plastic. Too much of the time we're having a conversation about climate change and how dire it is and what it's doing to us instead of solutions. And I think what happens is it feels so huge that you think, oh, I can't really make a difference and that these small changes don't really matter. So then people are still kind of asleep at the wheel or myself included feeling kind of stuck like what can I do? Yeah. And so you really believe that making these small little changes can have an overreaching effect.
1: I believe it because there's a practical level impact and there's more of a esoteric level impact. The practical level impact is by reducing say our use of energy or our practice of commuting the work by ourselves rather than with someone else or with StartBus, there's a direct link between those behaviors and reducing carbon emissions. The more esoteric impact, if you will, is by raising our individual level of consciousness about different opportunities we have that we'll implement those behaviors and take advantage of those opportunities and reduce the carbon emissions. But I believe there's a collective consciousness that's actually been well documented, whether it's through quantum physics or other means that when you reach a certain percentage of the population is adopting new behavior, the rest of the population follows over an amount of time. Whether you call it the 100th monkey or the 15th percent threshold, has been very well proven example after example after example. Our community, if we can reach that threshold, that collective threshold of 15% or so, of people adopting a new way of living through these small Changes, improvements to our behavior to be more environmentally responsible, to be more socially responsible and conscious. That is going to have impact not just on our individual lives, but on the lives of the people that are around us, that know us, perhaps our family members, our friends, our coworkers. And if enough are doing that, then there will be a shift. I don't know where we are in that relative to that 15%, Lee, but we're not going to get there by saying it's just too big of a deal. And we don't need to have everyone doing these behaviors to begin with. We just need 15% of us to do that. So you and I should be part of that 50%, and I believe we are. And hopefully the people that are listening to our conversation, if they're not already, they'll join in being part of that 15%, and we'll get this thing moving forward.
0: Well, that's kind of hopeful because 15%, that's not as many people as we think that we need. I'm kind of hopeful we're at the threshold.
1: The other thing I would say, Lee, is that we need to see climate change in the same urgency as COVID. Mm. So our community is a little over 70% vaccinated. And we did that because there was an urgent and important need to get vaccinated. Well, we need to see climate change as that level of urgency and importance. And I think that takes education. And it takes a lot of us working together to reach out to our community and also to our visitors and educate them on why this is such an urgent and important issue and to be able to show that there are solutions to our challenges and they are very practical. Having been the director of a Chamber of Commerce and knowing that most businesses are not altruistic, they're very pragmatic, reducing your waste, being more energy efficient, saves on costs and therefore improves your financial bottom line.
0: On a personal level, are you hopeful?
1: I am. I'm an optimist because I've seen what optimism, how that can fuel creativity and imagination and, and drive. I can see how all that can fuel positive change. I've seen that occur. Our species, Homo sapiens, has this great capacity for being creative, to responding to crises. We're not so good at responding to perceived long-term issues or issues that won't affect us until much later downstream. But if people can understand the urgency and importance of things like climate change, and that we are in a crisis now, and that it's not just about how this crisis affects you, but also your children and your grandchildren and all the people you know in the future generations, then there is an opportunity to get involved and make a difference. If you know that all this is interrelated and that this little stone you throw in the pond does have a rippling effect across the pond. Especially if you're in the mind to understand quantum physics, you know that what you do as an individual has a rippling effect through a much greater level of consciousness and potential impact. If you know that, or at least accept that that's possible, it opens the door to being someone that might be pessimistic, to being optimistic, to being driven and making change and then experience that change I've seen enough of that, Lee, over my experience and through my multiple careers, whether it's in the nuclear power industry, in the space industry, in space science and applications, to all the different programs I've worked in. I've seen the difference that a small group of people can make. And I think Margaret Mead said something about, well, indeed, it's the small groups of people that make the big changes or at least begin them. So... We have an opportunity as a small community, not just to make a difference for ourselves, but we have so many people visiting here in record numbers. Even if we only make only a small difference to a fraction of a fraction of people, that's still hundreds of thousands of people that we can wake up. So we, we are in a place to make a big difference.
0: I'm feeling a little hopeful talking to you.
1: There's a lot of people doing a lot of things here. That gives me a lot of hope. Our big challenge here, frankly, in Jackson Hole is not apathy. Our challenge really when it comes down to it is the egos of organizations or of businesses that are hesitant or unwilling to work with one another and come together, take a step toward that center of where we can all be joining, linking arms, hands and our resources to achieving things that individually we can't do, but collectively we really can do. We can really unleash a lot of creativity, create a lot of positive impact together where individually we can't. That's our big challenge. And that's why at Foundation, in essence, we play the role of being a sustainability cupid of matchmaking. We're also playing the role of being a border collie where we're herding all these different entities to work together. Our focus and our priority is on uniting these efforts, these different pieces of the puzzle to come together.
0: You have a tough job because I know that NGOs like to do things their way.
1: We need a lot more cupids and matchmakers and border collies in our community.
0: (laughs) I used to have a border collie, so I like that analogy. That's (laughs) a good one. So essentially what you're saying is get the ego out of the way and start working together.
1: Yes. Very hard to let go of what you're used to doing to create the successes, at least for you as an individual, to be willing to take a step toward the center saying, okay, I may not know the best way to do things, but I'm willing to be open to different ways. Let's first agree on what our goals and values are. Then let's start talking without as much ego as possible about how do we get there from where we are now. It's a matter of checking the ego by the door like an umbrella and be willing to step out in the open and embrace other possibilities and other perspectives.
0: Well, thank you, Tim, for what you do. And I encourage people to go to your website. Say it one more time, Tim.
1: It's riverwindfoundation.org.
0: Tim, thank you so much for being here today.
1: You bet. You bet. It's very nice to meet you, at least virtually. And I hope that we can meet in person one day, hopefully with a bunch of our kindred spirits who want to get involved and make an impact.
0: Sounds good. We need to keep this conversation going. And like you said, we all need to have some courage. To learn more about the Riverwind Foundation and to offer your input on the sustainability management plan, go to riverwindfoundation.org. You can also go on their website to download their publication, Green Matters, and you can also download their sustainable business guide. Soul Rise is a bi-weekly podcast available for streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and my website, soulcreativemedia.com. I'll be talking with people from all walks of life, athletes, healers, scientists, therapists, and mostly normal people who've overcome the odds or overcome adversity or past trauma to go on to live extraordinary lives. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, we all have the power to transform ourselves and our lives.